Okay, here we go. We are going through the New Testament in a year. We're in the Gospel of John in chapter 14. And this is the portion where it's the last week in the life in the ministry of Jesus. And we are in what's called the Red Letters. I have a paper Bible, and in that paper Bible, the words of Jesus are in red. And so chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 17... There's a few uh, sentences or a few words here and there that are not in red, but for the most part, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus is talking. Now, what happens when you uh, make a calendar of what's called Holy Week, uh, Easter Week, the last week in the life in the ministry of Jesus, is he goes into Jerusalem and he comes on Palm Sunday they're singing Hosanna in the highest, save now, save now. Jesus comes back in the next day and he overturns the money changers table. And then he really gets into it with the Pharisees. He gets into it in Matthew chapter 20. It's called the seven woes, where he really, really goes at the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And man, it's really, really heating up. So <clears throat> then after these confrontations with the religious leaders, Jesus is spending some time with his disciples. And he's talking to his disciples. And at one point, you know, you actually find him sort of reclining with his disciples. I find this so interesting. Jesus knows that he's going to the cross. He knows that he's going to his death. So if you knew you were going to your death, what would you do? If Jesus hangs around with his disciples. He, you know, he's not going out doing any ministry. He's hanging around with them. He's talking to them. He's reclining with them, spending time with them. Kind of amazing. So uh, Jesus knows how to live life. We can take some lessons from Jesus on how to live life. So chapter 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Well, I suppose that Jesus told them that because their hearts were troubled. <clears throat> troubled for a number of reasons. Jesus keeps saying things that are sort of strange to them, that he is going to be betrayed and he's going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners and he's going to die. You know, these guys, what they, what's he talking about? They really don't get it. I mean, they don't get it because really not listening and also, they're not really being illuminated by the Holy Spirit to understand some of these things. He said, you believe in God, <clears throat> also believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. Now, you want to get yourself a King James Bible. You want to get rid of these modern translations, uh, NIV that I'm reading out of. You know, it says many rooms. King James has many mansions. That's... That's what you want to be reading. Be reading the many mansions. <laughs> you want a room? You want an eternal room? Or you want a mansion? Well, however it works. He says, if it were not so, <clears throat> I would not have told you that. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. I love this. Because Jesus on earth, he was a carpenter. Probably more accurately to call him a builder because... Uh, Wood was not something necessarily that you built with a lot in ancient Israel. There just wasn't a lot of trees to to work with. So he was a builder uh, here on earth. Builder up until the time he's 30 and he enters into ministry. And it also tells us that Jesus is the creator of all things. And in Genesis it says God created the heavens and the earth in seven days. And so if he made all of that in seven days, and for 2,000 years he's been preparing a place for you, wow. What do you think that's going to be like? That's absolutely amazing. He's got something waiting for us. He's preparing something for us. Verse 3. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back 
and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So I'm going to go make this place for you, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. This is sort of alludes to the Jewish weddings where the groom would prepare a place, make a place for the bride, and he would go away and do that. And then when the house was all prepared, he would come and find the bride and bring the bride to the house. Well, that's what Jesus is doing to us. Those of us who are believers, he calls us the bride of Christ, that he's the groom and we're the bride. <clears throat> and he said, you know the place to where I'm going. Now, some non-red letters here. Because Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? We don't know. We didn't even know what you're talking about. Where are you going? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this John 14, 6 is probably one of the most difficult passages for an awful lot of people to stomach. Why? Because Jesus is talking about eternal life. And he's saying, I'm the way. All right, well, you're the way because people say, well, there's a lot of ways. So um, you can be one too. That's all right with us. You know, you can be a way too. And the truth. All right, you know, there's a lot of truth. So you can be the truth too. And the life. Uh, all right, so, you know, maybe we can do something with that. Maybe we can work with that. Maybe we can, you know clear it up a little bit so, you know, it's not so narrow. Oh, all right. But no one, not one, not a single one, comes to the Father except through me. Wow. That's the hardest part of the verse. Nobody gets in except through Jesus Christ. Uh, people say, well, what about those who haven't heard? Well, um, I guess that's something that God needs to deal with. But the problem is with you because you are hearing it <laughs> or you have heard it. And if you have heard it, then there is no other way into the Father except through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, if he just said it that way, like I said, you know, we could maybe soften it, parse it out somehow, dilute it a little bit. But no, because no one comes to the Father except through him. No one. Not a one. And Jesus said, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. And from now on, you do know him and you've seen him. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. This is what God is like. And this is the way to God. The way to God is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No one, sorry, comes to the Father except through me. I, I used this verse one time. I was doing a diversity day at a school. And uh, towards the end, I, I used this particular verse. And one of the teachers came straight for me, straight for me at using that verse. And she said, you sound just like my friends. My friends are telling me I need to be born again. My friends are telling me that Jesus is the only way and there's no other way. I need to come in through Jesus. She said, and you sound just like my friends. You have the same message that they have. I said, no, 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 no. I said, that, that is not my message. That is, that is not my message. And she said, oh, all right, because I thought you were the same as them. I was worried about it. 
I said, that's Jesus' message. <laughs> I'm just delivering Jesus' message. I probably would have come up with a different message. I probably would have come up with a different alternative. I probably would have come up with something else. But what I have is I'm just the mail delivery person. I am delivering the mail, and the mail says no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. That's not my message. That's God's message. And I'm just delivering God's message. And I told her, I said, listen, you need to take it up with Jesus because you can probably argue me. You're probably smarter than me. And you can get and you can get me all twisted up and stumbled and tongue-tied. But you need to take it up with Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And then Philip said, well, then show us the Father, and that will be enough. And Jesus said, come on. Don't you know me, Philip? I've been among you for such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you say, show me the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Believe me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves, the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I'll do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name, and I'll do it. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. And the passage goes on. He promises us the Holy Spirit, promises us the power. And then again, he says one more time in verse 27, Don't let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid. Why did he say that? Our hearts are troubled and we're afraid. Their hearts are troubled and they were afraid. They didn't know what was going on. They were afraid of what was going to happen. They were afraid of what was going to happen to Jesus, happen to them. Afraid of what's going on in Jerusalem. Well, we're, we have fears too, don't we? And we have troubles too. And Jesus said to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for you. So, Lord, we put all our troubles on you, all our fears on you. Everything that we're afraid of, we put it on you in Jesus' name. Hey, be blessed. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. God bless you guys. We'll continue in John chapter 15 next time. Bless you.